Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. So I'm just going to chop up this sermon, actually. I'm going to preach the rest of it next week, but I want to explain a little bit about what God's doing as we worship. So um, when we worship, when we uh, praise, and when we pray, both of those things, prayer and praise, they are um, symbolized by incense in Scripture. Uh, it's uh, an incense, you know. Um, how many of you had a hippie friend in college? That... Uh, Poppy. Poppy was the hippie friend. Poppy was the hippie friend. Incense, man. Uh, their their dorm room smelt like smelt like incense. These little sticks, uh, scented candle thingies that just kind of smoky. Um, well, God God's into incense because he's into the smell of of a place. Um, in Exodus chapter thirty, if you have a Bible, uh, that's fine. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But I, I just want to read. We've been walking through the tabernacle, and we're now in the holy place. And um, within the holy place is this altar God commanded. In Exodus 30, verse 1, it says, Make an altar, God said, of acacia wood. We've been talking about acacia wood a little bit. Um, And this is the purpose for burning incense. For burning incense. It's only for burning incense, by the way. It's the only purpose of this altar. It's interesting. There's only three articles within the holy place that God commanded to be built. And one of them only has one purpose, and it is to fill the holy place and beyond with a particular smell. It's incense. So he says, I want you to build, the, uh, build this altar uh, that for burning incense. It is to be square, like the top of it, to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide. A cubit is 18 inches. So it's 18 inches by 18 inches. That's on the top. When you're looking at it from the top, it's a cubit long and a cubit wide, but it's two cubits high. That's 36 inches. So that, that means when you're looking at it, it's a perfect rectangle which we've noticed constantly in Scripture throughout the tabernacle as God built the tabernacle. Almost everything is a rectangle, a perfect rectangle, by the way. Um, this is the same dimension as the, the holy place and the, and the most holy place. If you look down from the sky, it's a rectangle. That's the same dimension as the outer court of the tabernacle. It's also a rectangle. It's also, uh, anyway, an interesting dimension throughout Scripture. Um, it's also the, the dimensions of the New Jerusalem. That's coming down. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting that, that God keeps repeating this pattern because this is something that is real. It's in heaven. And so he has them build. If you remember the table of showbread we talked about last week, it was 36 inches tall. Just like this altar is 36 inches tall. It was 18 by 36. It was a rectangle. Just as this is 18 by 36. Only this table is standing up on its side, if you will. Um, and it is not a table, it's an altar of incense. It's, made, it's to be made with acacia wood. By the way, the, the, holy, the most holy place, which is, which is part of the, 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 the tabernacle, is a perfect square as well. If you're looking down uh, on it, it's a perfect square. Um, so I believe part of the prophetic part of this, this, this altar of incense is that it is prophetic of the holy of holies. And this is, this is uh, significant with regard to the Holy of Holies. And so he says it's to be this, this size, two cubits um, tall, and it's to have horns on it. And it's to be, the horns are to be of one piece. Now when it says horns, it doesn't mean like an animal horn. It means like a rod sticking out from the four corners of it. Um, and they were to be pointed in the direction of the corner. Um, because there are four corners of the earth in Jewish thought. And so what that means is what happens on this altar is not just for this altar. It's not just for the people in the room. It's for the four corners of the earth. So that as the priest is offering incense on the altar of incense, it is filling the holy place, but it's not just for the holy place. That everything God was going to do actually wasn't just for the Jews. God told Abraham that through his seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so God has a, a global plan. God has a larger plan than just the people in this room. There are people in this room, but God is constantly thinking about the people outside of this room. And he cares about the people in this room. But if what happens in here stays in here, come on, this ain't Vegas, people. What, what, if, if what happens... 
<laughs> if what happens in here stays in here, we've wasted our time in here. And for too long, man, the church has just gotten in a holy huddle <laughs> and had holy moments and never wanted to leave and never left and just stuck everything right there. And they never took it out of the four walls into the four corners of the earth. And so I believe that God's trying to raise up a church that, yes, wants to experience the manifest presence of God here, but then wants to take that into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our everyday life. That what happens here is not just for here. It's for, it's for the entire world. It's for widows in Rwanda. It's for the entire world. It's for kids at Betachek and Williams Elementary. It's for the entire world that people are worth it. And that's not just something, not just the people in the room, but all people everywhere, regardless of race or creed or theology, that God has a plan for all people. So even while they're offering incense on the altar, there are four horns, four arrows, if you will, pointing to every which direction to remind the priest that it's not just about you. It's not just about your family. It's not just about your, 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 your worship community. That there are things outside of that that God is concerned about. And he's working outside of that. And so there's four horns. I, I can't get caught up in the horns. But uh, he then says to overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold. So you got wood, which is corruptible. And you have gold, which is incorruptible. And when the corruptible has put on the incorruptible. When the mortal has put on the immortality, then is fulfilled the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. We cannot merely have a wooden altar. We must have a wooden altar that is overlaid with gold. What is a wooden altar? That's the human structure without the anointing, without the gold, without the presence of God. That's the drums without a worshiper behind them. That's a guitar without a worshiper playing it. That's a keyboard without a worshiper hitting the keys. We, you, you can have a wooden structure and it look like an altar and it sound like an altar and it, and it act like an altar. But if there's no gold on it. So the corruptible must take on the incorruptible. That's true in the future when we're risen, when, you know, in, in the resurrection. But it's true right now because Jesus is the resurrection. So we must be covered right now. We must be covered right now with the presence of God. So important. So the, the overlay, you, you lay, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to allow incense to rise from wooden tables. You must overlay it with gold. And make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar uh, below the molding. Two on each of the opposite sides. In other words, this thing needs to be portable. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You need to be able to carry it from where it is to where it's going next. Because it never stays in the same place for too long. God never hangs out in the same place for too long. To hold the poles to carry it. Make the poles of a case you would. Overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Before the atonement cover that is over uh, the tablets of the covenant law where I will meet with you. In other words, God told him exactly where to put this altar of incense. And it was to go directly in front of the veil that divided the holy place from the most holy place. So if you walked into the holy place, let's say this was the holy place. You walk into the holy place. On your left would be the menorah, the candle. Uh, on your right would be the table of, of bread representing the people of God whose faces were ever before him, and then directly in front of the next level, before you get to the next level, there is this altar called an altar of incense or a golden altar that, that they called it. Now God gives some instructions. In verse 7, he says, Aaron must burn fragrant incense. I want it to smell. Fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. So he's, he's tending the lamps, and after he's done with the lamps, the menorah, he's to go to the altar of incense. In other words, there's a, there's a connection. The same fire that lights the, the candle also lights the incense. I'm going to get into that next week, but this, it's, the same, it's the same deal. So the, the candle is representation of the Holy Spirit and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the light of the Holy Spirit. And the, the incense is a representation of our worship. And of our prayer. So you, you, you must, you cannot have true prayer and true worship without the Holy Spirit. Those two are connected. They, all, they, they, they come together and then they leave together too. Yeah. 
<laughs> they, 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 are, they, they are hand in hand. It, they're lit by the same coal, by the way. They're lit by the same fire because the Holy Spirit is the one who trains us to pray. We don't even know what to pray about until the Holy Spirit inspires us and tells us what to pray. Sometimes he just prays for us. That's called speaking in tongues. Sometimes it just flows through us, and you don't even understand it because it's not in English. That's the power of the Holy Spirit moving through prayer and through worship. That's what is happening today. We didn't plan to, to worship for however long we worship. We didn't plan to sing one song for a long like that none of that was we didn't practice any of that. None of that was the, it was the Holy Spirit directing saying, okay, so I want you just to play these two chords over because I want to speak to people. So the, the power of the Holy Spirit is is absolutely essential to the, the raising of the incense in worship. Uh, those two are very connected. I'm going to get into that next week. But he says, he says when, when Aaron, he must burn this fragrant incense, and he must burn the incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so that incense will burn continually before the Lord for all the generations to come. God desired his house to have a certain smell to it. And he said, I don't ever want you to, to stop the smell. I don't ever want you to, to get a Glade plug-in. I want, I want a particular smell. And, 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 and so what I want to talk to you about is, is, I don't know what the title is, but like smelly church. Or a church that God likes the smell of. Or the kind of church we want to smell like. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but it smells, it smells good in here. It smells good in here. Uh, it smells like worship in here. It smells like... smells consecration, smells like some sacrifice, smells like a little bit of humility. It doesn't always smell like that. Last week, there was a little something else going on. I don't know, a little bit of self-righteousness maybe. And thank you guys for cleaning that up. There was, it was, it smelled a little funky. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, maybe I'm the only one. Sometimes church doesn't smell right. Sometimes, this is great, it's a great little sermon going on there sometimes it doesn't smell right it can sound right but it might not smell right it can look right all the things can be in place and the person the, pre- the preacher is there and the, the notes are there and everything's good but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't smell right this week I came home late uh on Tuesday night actually several nights this week but anyway uh I came home late Tuesday night because we had a, a board of trustees meeting and Ro had already cooked dinner and fed it to the kids. I had already eaten dinner, so it was fine. I got home, and um, I, was, I, I walked in the door, and I was assaulted by, by a smell. I don't know if you've ever been assaulted by a smell, but it's like smacks you in the face, you know? And I'm not real good at, like, hiding my, my face. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I don't have a mirror. I can't check my face. Um, I just, like I, 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 like, I just walked in the door, and the first thing I said was... What stinks in here? Yeah, so pray for me. Um, all the ladies. I didn't think that was a bad statement. See, but I guess all the ladies understand this. They all understand this. Because what I was saying is, what stinks in here? Let's just, just throw this out there. What she heard was, my cooking stinks. So we had a, a nice discussion, <laughs> which consisted mostly of me listening to her explaining that, because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't privy to that information, and 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 just. Just to hit rewind a little bit, back, back like years ago, we took some tests, Ro and I did, my wife and I, we, we took some tests about like the five love languages. I don't know if you guys have ever taken those tests. It's, it's kind of to understand, it's really helpful, by the way, if you're single, married, whatever, it's helpful for you to understand ways that you express love and ways that you receive love. And so for Ro, like, I mean, right up there, tied for first, is something called words of affirmation. Apparently... What I said does not fall in that category. So um, somebody help me out. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I just walked in the door and something stunk. So I'm trying to find an affirmative way to say what stinks in here. If you guys can think of some good way to say that. Something, something, something smells so bad. I don't know how to say that. I, something smells different. Lovely. Typically it smells wonderful, but right now... <laughs> Something smells off. 
so I don't know, maybe after service, some of you ladies help me out, and anyway, so we were, we, were, we, were, we were talking for a little while, what's that smell? That's my cooking, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I have a hard time with this, so you guys help me out, because I am not a words of affirmation person, I don't need words of affirmation, I mean, they're, they're nice, but I, I'm kind of blunt, and so what I found was, though, that we were in the kitchen for a little while just, just hanging out after, after, after the conversation. And we're just st- sitting around the kitchen, and suddenly Rose like, oh, this is probably what you're smelling. And there's a bowl, like she had cooked salmon that night. And so there's a bowl of bits of the salmon that, like, she hadn't cooked. She had left over. She had chucked it in the bowl. She's like, oh, this is probably what you smell. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say anything. I didn't say, yeah, that was my face. I didn't say anything. I just, she just, she, she just threw it out. And I thought, man, like, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you say in an affirmative way, there's dead, literally dead fish smell in our kitchen. How does that work? But, but I think sometimes I, I am just kind of blunt like that. So I guess I'm sort of blunt like that just to you all as well. So maybe, maybe you can pray for me there too. Um, that I can learn to say it smells like a religious spirit in here without actually saying a religious spirit, you know, because all the religious spirits are like, no, I'm not that way, and it's like, oh, maybe, uh, but, you know, like, because, you know, sometimes it just doesn't smell right. It just doesn't smell right, and, and I, think that's, I think that's a problem. I think it's a problem for us when we come in the smelly stuff of the world all over us, and we have to, like, wash it off. It's, it's, it's a problem when we're not lighting the incense because the enemy, the, the, the enemy is trying to, make, to get a church that doesn't smell right because a church that doesn't smell right is, one, confusing to the world. They don't point to Jesus at all um, because you say one thing, but you smell like something else. It's like, uh, it's like a junior high youth camp. A lot of body acts, no deodorant, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, wow, I smell the acts and... B.O. It's a weird mixture. But God wants, God wants a bride that's matured a little bit beyond sixth grade where they're now applying deodorant and nice, you know. He has, he, he has a certain smell that he wants his church to smell like. I think it needs to smell like love, actually. I think the perfect scent of heaven is, is an atmosphere of love. It's an absolute atmosphere of love. And love is not as wishy-washy as you might think. Love is not what you saw in the news. Love is not what uh, uh, your professor told you it was. Love is agape. Love is what God has done and does continually for us. Love is truth. Love is grace and truth. We saw, we beheld his glory, the the glory of the only begotten son, full of grace and truth. There's this beautiful mixture of grace and truth within the love of Jesus. And so it is the love of Jesus that needs to be filling this area, that needs to be filling this, this city, this town. They don't need to hear more opinions. They need to hear the love of Jesus. So it's the love of Jesus, but, but, but how that smell comes about is the love for Jesus, so, so that's, that's, that, that's the really cool thing about this altar, which I want to get into next week. But it's this love that we have for Jesus that is expressed through worship, that is expressed through prayer. So Psalm 141, if we can put that scripture on the screen, he says, he says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. David's praying to God, hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May it rise to you like incense, and may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So prayer and worship is like incense. The evening sacrifice is also incense, because they were to light it morning and evening. Which, by the way, is the exact same times when Goliath, remember David and Goliath, Goliath would come out and challenge the people of God for 40 days. He had him at a standstill. When did he challenge the people of God? In morning and evenings. Because if, if the enemy can disrupt your worship, if he can distract your prayer and your praise, he can disqualify you, he can steal your courage, he can steal your boldness, he can steal your faith, if he can distract your worship. So he says, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start blaspheming God, I'm going to start talking about how little God is right during the time when they're supposed to be focused on how big God is. Have you ever noticed that as soon as you come to church, you start thinking about your, your grocery list? You haven't thought about it all week, and now you're thinking about it. 
And it's like the enemy starts trying to distract you about the littleness of your life and the littleness of your, of your, own, of your own righteousness. All the condemnation gets heaped up on you when you come to a place where you're ready to focus on the greatness of God. That's intentional. He's trying to distract your worship, and he'll distract you with anything that he can, even, even yourself. Like sometimes, even, even as a worship team, I can get distracted by how poorly I'm playing the piano. And think of how poorly everybody must think about me while I'm playing the piano. And suddenly I'm not worshiping him anymore. I'm worshiping what you all think about me. And I'm trying to make sure that I look a certain part and I sound a certain part and I play a certain part. And I'm, not, I'm no longer offering anything up here. I'm trying to blow, blow stuff out here so you guys can, 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 can get, a, get a whiff of, of how good I, I can actually. And, and if that's true of me, I know that's true of every single musician and singer up here. It's a temptation. The enemy wants to distract us from the one who is worthy the one who is glorious, the one who is worth our rising, lifting of our prayers like incense in our hands. So, so look, here's, here's the deal. This is, how you, this is how you lift prayers out of your mouth. It comes out of your mouth. Super deep, super deep preaching. No, like, I, I think we get confused. We think that talking to God in our head is prayer. But, but historically... Biblically, that is not prayer. It is indeed, you can talk to God in your head, absolutely. But this is not what is commanded throughout Scripture. Look, he says, may, the, may, may, may my prayer be set before you. How is it going to be set? How is it going to rise if it doesn't come out of your mouth? And we sit and we think about stuff and we call it prayer. We sit and we worry about stuff and we call it prayer. We sit and we strategize about stuff and we call it prayer. Well, I'm praying for you really means I'm thinking about you. You shouldn't say that unless you're actually praying. Are, are, are prayers coming out of your mouth toward God for that person? In which case, then good, you're praying for them. But if not, you're just thinking about them. And, I, you know, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> just FYI, good vibes never healed anybody. I'm just saying, it is prayer that rises like incense to God. God is God. Yes, he sees your thoughts, absolutely, but he smells your prayer. He smells your prayer. This is, this is incense. Prayer is incense. It must come out of your mouth. And, and just like I tell my nine-year-old son, if you can't tell me what you said to God, then you didn't say anything to God. Wow. So this is, this, this is kind of how we help them pray because he's learning. And many of you are learning. And many of you, you, you came into a church where they told you just to be quiet and listen to the priest go on about stuff, and they called that prayer. But it's not. It comes out of your own mouth. It must come out of your own mouth. Your own altar of incense must rise. Prayer must rise. And also the lifting of the hands. So even if you're Presbyterian. (laughs) What's that? Uh, Baptist. um, Methodist. uh, I don't know. Is one of those quieter Church of of Christ... um, uh, not the Anderson version, the other version. I, 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 I forget. The one that they don't play any music. You know, no matter what denomination you are, th- this is not a denominational letter for Pentecostals. This is just, this is just the Bible. Like, I just pulled this up out of the Bible. Psalm 134 commands you to lift your hands in the sanctuary. Uh, first, first Timothy, Paul said, everyone must lift hands in, you know, uh, men must pray always and lift hands, holy hands. So this is not like a this is not an expression thing like oh I I, I prefer hands down. I'm a I'm a hands downer. I'm part of the hands man this is, there's no such thing. There's literally no such thing. And so, and so no, it, it is helpful because I know some of us, like, we just, we just our hands are up because we're just out there and we're, we're, you know, stuff comes out of our mouth all the time. We're good with that. And there are extroverts. But this is written specifically to introverts because extroverts don't need this kind of instruction. So specifically for introverts like myself. Like, I grew up as an introvert, and I remember going to church, and my mom saying to Peter and I, all right, boys, now, now you're going to, now, now, at some point during worship, you need to raise your hands. Now, some of you are like, well, that just sounds legalistic. I, I would never force my kids to do, yeah, it sounds legalistic. I would never force my kids, well, anyway, so take it up with the guy who wrote the scripture. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so he, <laughs> it's things in here. I don't know what, I don't know how to tell you that. I don't know how to say it any other way. I'm working on it. Help me, Jesus. Uh, so, 
so, so, so, and then our church was different. So our church, we didn't have lights. Like it wasn't light here and dark out there. It was light everywhere. Everybody could see everybody. There was like, you know, 20 of us, like it was a small church. There was like 20 of us in the room. And, and we didn't have instruments. Uh, you know, we had uh, the pastor's wife, Candace, or Candy for short. She, she, she would play the piano and she'd say, turn to hymn number 419. And we didn't sing songs like, I just want you. We sang songs like, um, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by And you're just trying to keep up. Like, you're trying to keep up with the words, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, there's a lot of them. It's not like, I just want you. It's not four words a thousand times. It's like a thousand words four times. There's like four verses. And it's like, all right, when I look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised me my wealth untold. Woo, okay. And, it, it's, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, uh, do, I, uh, do, I, do I feel verse three or verse four? I can't tell. I don't know. And I'm just trying to keep up. And, and, and so, so we, we would sing that first hymn, and then we go on to the second hymn, which is a little bit slower. And the last hymn was something like, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Now I can normally, oh, what a forward, hey. And my voice is changing, you know, it's a little tough. So it, it just wasn't emotionally conducive. But you got to understand something. In 2020, we are, we are high on emotion. And that's not a bad thing. But it can, get a, be, it can be a distracting thing. Because in 1920, they didn't have any emotion. You just grab the hymns and you sing. You sing truth. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You sing truth. I don't care if you feel it, you sing it. <laughs> Once again, I don't know how to say it nicely. But it's whatever. And so nowadays, it's like, well, if I don't feel it, then I guess, then I, guess I don't need to do it. And it, you got to be careful. You got to be careful because I love the emotion of it. I love the different instruments and, and the way that the uh, singers blend their voices and stuff. It's wonderful. But you got to get to a place where it's not about what you feel, it's about what God says. And so it was a little bit easier for me because I just had a hymnal and I wasn't really feeling it. But I waited for the very last song, the very last, you know, it was like a special 80s chorus. Some of you know some of those. Uh, yeah, I forget which one, but anyway, and so, you know, okay, fine, so I, so, so I slowly sort of raise my, raise my hand, actually both hands, kind of like, kind of like, you know, you know, like the whole holding the TV, I'm got, I got the, I got, I'm helping Jesus move, he's <laughs> I, I hope he's not on the third floor, because it's getting kind of heavy, you know what I'm saying? Because that's like all I could, that's all I could muster up, you know. And by the way, my parents always sat on the front row. Gosh. So I'm on the front row holding Jesus' TV for him. <laughs> and I realized that, man, like, I'm not really worshiping. I'm thinking about what everybody's thinking about me. Am I doing it right? Did I come up on the right word? Am I going to go down on the right phrase? When do I, how do I... And I'm so, like my eyes are closed. I'm singing a, a song about Jesus, but I'm not really worshiping Jesus. I'm so distracted. And so I go home, 10 years old, and I pray, and I say, God, this isn't working. You know, like you must, this scripture about lifting hands thing, that must be for somebody else. Because when I do it, it makes me not want to worship. It makes me distracted. I can't focus. I can't, I, can't, I can't think about you and everybody else at the same time. And God spoke to me. I don't remember exactly what he spoke to me, but it was something along the lines of, Harry, I knew your heart before you raised your hands. Amen. And I knew that you cared more about what people thought of you before you knew that you cared more of what people thought about you. And so literally the, the lifting of the hands just clued me into what God already knew, which is why he often commands obedience. Because as long as my hands were down here, I felt like I was really worshiping Jesus. I felt like I cared more about what he cared about me than what other people cared about me. I felt like that. But as soon as he asked me to get out of my comfort zone, I realized, oh, not, well, I guess I don't. Technically, I can't even do this and not like do this at the same time. Like in my head, you know, I can't even, I can't even raise my hands. And that, that's where I began. I, I started on a journey of realizing that worship is about obedience. 
The raising of the hands, like the evening sacrifice, is not about feeling a gooey feeling. And I just have to raise. And even as an introvert, it took me many years before I just felt the compulsion to raise my hands. I never felt that. It was, it was an obedience thing. And so I purposed in my heart that whenever the Holy Spirit spoke to me about raising my hand, I would raise my hand. And I just wouldn't, even if it was on count your blessings, you know, name them one by one. Whenever I feel that thing, I'm going to react, I'm going to be obedient to that thing. And I'm not going to have to like, you know, okay, you know, he's not going to have to drag it out of me. I'm going to present something on the altar of incense. I'm going to lay something there. And for me, it was my pride. Because I look, I don't look like one of those crazy people when my hands are like this. I don't look like those Pentecostals when my hands are like this. I don't look like the loud person when my hands are like this. It's really easy for people to think well of me when I don't do anything that would suggest I am different or weird or odd. So many people who are quiet, they're not quiet. They're just prideful. Because it's, it's, a, it's a cocoon that, I, that we shelter ourselves in. Because if I open my mouth, you'll realize how dumb I am. But as long as I'm quiet, people think you're really smart. <laughs> it's true. Scripture even says that. So it's like, man, even a fool is counted wise when he keeps his mouth shut. So, man, like so much of it is just pride where, where I don't want to share my ignorance with you. I don't want to share my lack of understanding. I don't want to share my doubts, certainly. I don't want to share any stuff that, you know, could be used against me, you know, in a, in a sermon or something. I'm not, I'm not going to open up and tell you anything because it's, it, put, it puts me at risk. But I'm safe over here by myself. I'm safe in my shell. I'm safe not opening my mouth when I pray, praying in my head because then nobody knows what I'm praying about. And I'm safe keeping my hands down because then nobody knows if I'm feeling it or not. Maybe I'm feeling it the whole service. I'm more spiritual than you. I was feeling it when I, when I walked in the door. And so it's, it's, it's safe. This is a safe little shelter. But Scripture says, no, no, no. we got to offer up incense with our mouth and with our hands. So let's just, let's just, let's just test it out. There's no music going, nothing crazy is going on. But I wonder, just simply out of obedience to the word of God, if, if, if just right there where you're at, if you would just raise a hand or both hands, TV style or, or field goal style. You can do field goal if you want. You can do pick me if you want. Like, like all the styles, none of them look wonderful. Because it's not about you. That's the, that's the point. It's not about us. There's, we don't get anything from the altar of incense. He said, don't put any meat on it. Don't put any grain on it. Don't put any drink offering because none of it is to stay down here. All of it goes up. All of it goes up. He's the only, Jesus is the only one that receives anything from this. So, Father, we, we raise our hands right now in obedience to your word. And it helps me to close my eyes. If, if you want to close your eyes, but also just then begin talking to God just out of your mouth. Let, let some incense rise out of your mouth. You can say whatever you want. You can, you can tell him what you think. You can tell him what you need. You can tell him what you know about him, like what one, one thing that you know about him, that he's worthy, and he's worthy, and, and he's worthy, and he's good, and he's good. And even if you just say the same thing over and over, it's fine, but, but it's, it's incense. It's rising, and so, Lord, Father, we, uh, we, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We raise our hands out of obedience right now. Not because musicians are playing just right, not because they're singing any song that we know or like, but Lord, we're raising our hands because you and you alone are worthy of our, of our incense, of our worship. May, may uh, day and night, night and day, let incense rise from, from your people, from this church, yeah, but also from our own lives, God. May we raise our hands at home in, our, in, in, in the prayer closet. May we, may we raise our hands in, as, as, as we're going about our lives and coming before you as an act of surrender, as an act of obedience to you, that you it's not because we feel something it's because you said something and so we respond to what you say we respond to what you say and we we respond with a yes with a yes and amen with a yes lord as much as you give us grace we will be obedient to you we surrender to you may it may may it rise may may the prayers of our mouth rise like incense may the lifting of our hands rise like incense May you be blessed. May you be encouraged. May you be delighted in the, in the beautiful smell of your, of your church today. 
that from Austin, that there would be a continual representation of the prayers of the saints, that there would be continual incense being offered up, that there continually the bowls would be getting fuller and fuller, that they would continually present this before the throne room of heaven, the real, the real holy place, the where, where there is actual incense rising from us right now, rising from our hands, rising from our mouths. We can't see it, but you can smell it. We we don't we can't we can't explain it, but we can sense it. We can feel it all around us we offer you our worship and our prayer in Jesus name amen amen so I'm going to get into this a little more next week especially about the dangers of the altar of incense but but the next part that I want to share with you about is just how the the altar of incense it affects what's in the room but it also affects what's outside the room God's doing things through the incense. Actually, the, the Jews say that you could smell the, the incense for like a half a mile all around the tabernacle. The people who never got to go into the holy place could smell the smell of the holy place. Um, and, I, and I think that's what God wants. God wants it to get out. He wants it to move. He wants it to move beyond here and beyond us. And so for the next seven weeks, I'm going to be challenging you and asking you and pushing you uh, to get it out, to get the smell out. You say, what's, what, what's the smell? The smell of Christ. Uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us, says, Thanks be to God who always leads us triumphantly as captives in Christ and through us, through us, through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him, of Christ. For we are to God the sweet aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So verse 16 tells us, to the one, to the ones who are perishing, we are an odor. We are dead salmon. <laughs> we stink. To those who are perishing, we, so not everybody's going to like the smell of love. Some people would rather the smell of inclusivity. Which is not the same. Some people would rather the smell of affirmation, which is not the same. Not everyone's going to like the smell of agape. But, but to those that are, because, because what it does is it reminds them of what they've never had. It reminds them of what they're missing. And pride doesn't like to be missing anything. And so for some people, the smell of love is, is a smell of death and demise. But to the other, it's a fragrance that brings life. So there are people in your life that are waiting to smell Christ. I know you've had some bad reactions probably. <laughs> and that's true. There are some people that are never going to appreciate the smell of Christ. They don't like it. But that doesn't mean that we stop spreading the fragrance. Because there are some that are looking for it. There are some that are longing for the love of Jesus. And all their militant in all of their hate, they're really just soft on the inside, waiting for love that will break down the walls and show them their value. And so, and so I'm not going to be pushing you to, to preach anything. I'm not going to be pushing you to even say anything. I, I, I'm, for the next seven weeks until Easter Sunday, I'm going to be challenging you every single Sunday to smell like something, to smell like Jesus, and to... And to spread that smell. And to engage our community more intentionally than we have in the past. And so there's two ways that we're, that we're going to do that. The first way is, number one, we're going to start smelling like Jesus ourselves. Uh, and we've been, we've been, I mean, every Sunday I'm trying to, to blow incense at you. Um, I've been trying to help you out. Like, that's something we do every Sunday. Our small groups throughout the week. I mean, as City Chapel, that's what we do. And so part of that is Kairos. It's a conference that we have that is very intentionally, very smelly. And uh, what we do is we basically, we take a whole Saturday and a Sunday afternoon. We meet here and we share on um, several different topics. If you could put the one with all the topics up. Um, uh, I teach for a while. Roe teaches for a while. Poppy, several of us will be teaching on dealing with fear, dealing with generational iniquities, dealing with, with spirit of rejection, with mother and father wounds, with forgiveness. Because the truth is, like... 
yeah, we smell like Jesus, but then we have some B.O. of rejection and shame latched onto us. And you can be in church and still be filled with shame. In some churches, it'll help you. <laughs> it'll, help you go, it'll help you stay in line and dress a certain way and talk a certain way because you're too ashamed that people will find out anything different. But in, a, in, a, but in, in an environment of love, shame can, can be washed away. Shame can be released. Not because we're open to all kinds of craziness but because God loves us anyway and he's changing us in the middle of process. And so what we want to do is we want to have two days dedicated to this. And um, we had Mia share in the first service. I don't know, Cassie. Cassie's going to share here. Cassie came to um, Kairos last year. And so, yeah. Welcome. I got you. Um, so if you just take a couple minutes, just share your story about Kairos. Um, and then, then you guys can sign up online. So you go to our website, citychapelchurch.com, and there's a, there's a, a link on, under events, and they can click on it, and they can register and everything through that way. But here's Cassie, Texas A&M. Whoop! <laughs> so um, last year, uh, Poppy invited me to Kairos, and she has a way that if she invites you to something, like, you end up going, whether you had other plans or not. And... You know, I was chilling, cruising through life, and I felt like, well, okay, we'll see what happens. And I have grown up with the shame of mother-father wounds. Um, I was born out of wedlock. Um, I ended up diagnosed with a chronic condition a year and a half in, and I really thought that was my mom's punishment for having me that way. And so um, I spent, I grew up in church and I kept thinking if I just get one gold star after another, you know, do all the things, God will be proud, my mom will be happy, it'll be great. And so in the words of Dr. Phil, how did that work out, right? Um, well, I also saw a church full of people that I loved um, treat our pastor like dirt. And um, this was the first pastor or spiritual leader that I had followed that was trying to show me who Jesus was. And I never got that. And so um, I decided I really don't need this God person. He takes away the people I love, the people that he, that are supposed to be Christians, you know, they treat people like dirt. So I don't need that. So I walked away for a good 15 years. And once again, <laughs> that didn't work out so well. And so um, I came to Kairos, and for the first time, I really felt like I needed to let people in. Because I'm really good about getting those gold stars and then just keeping you at an arm's length. You know, just as long as you're proud of me, I'm okay, right? And so the walls, I can't say I'm 100% there yet, but, you know, it gave me the courage to say, I need this. And if you don't let God's people in, you don't get to see who God is. And it took a lot for me to say that. And maybe that doesn't sound super prof profound or anything like that, but to me, it's a big deal. And for the first time ever, I felt grace. And so um, I just hope that, you know, Take the a chance of coming to Kairos. There's a reason it's called God's appointed time. And whatever he has for you, it's going to be super sweet. So, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the 28th and 29th of this month, um, if you need child care, um, you can, there's a spot in the form to let us know that. We're trying to provide child care, but we need to know that we have enough children and covering costs and things like that. It's, only, it's $10 for the weekend for you to pay for yourself. That's including lunch on Saturday and the stuff that, uh, the, the booklet that you're going to get. And then um, we're trying to work out child care to where it's $10 per child, um, but we need to know that we have enough kids. So let us know if you need child care. Let us know. We'll try to accommodate that. Uh, if I can have the ushers come forward and just stand down here at the front, we're going to have a time of giving just before we leave. Um, and then as we leave, we're going to open the back doors right here. And uh, we're going to have all kinds of uh, swag for you um, to purchase, uh, really just at the, at the cost that we purchased it. Um, three things. One is a T-shirt. 
that says what's after ATX. Um, so um, this, that's, that's, our, that's our big push right now. So for the next seven weeks, there it is. Um, there's two different kinds. And there's also a children's one that's orange. And so we have children's sizes and we have adult sizes. Um, but what we want to do is our goal is that we would wear these shirts for the next seven weeks. And that we would invite people to come to church on Easter where we're going to talk about what's after ATX. Uh, we're going to talk about near-death experiences. Um, and we're going to talk about just actually, you know, science, science behind near-death experiences, and just then look at what the Bible says is after ATX. And my hope and my prayer is that throughout the next seven weeks, it's how long we have till Easter, that everybody in this room would wear shirts um, every day that you can, wash them regularly, um, or, and, and, and or a button. We have little buttons out there, which we're selling for um, $2. The t-shirts are $10 for adults and kids, both the same price. And then the buttons are $2. Uh, if, you, if you're a nurse, like, like Cassie, and you, you have to wear scrubs, well, you can wear this button. And um, the goal is to engage people in conversations. So that whether you're wearing a t-shirt or a button that says, ask me about what's after ATX, um, that people would actually ask you. Well, I don't know. What is after ATX? And at that point, you can start talking about heaven. You can start talking about God. You can start talking about church. You can start talking about City Chapel and invite them to church on uh, April 12th, which is Easter, to find out. And we're going to start a sermon series where we're going to be looking at the good, heaven, but also the bad, hell. We're going to be looking at what's after ATX, and um, we're going to be looking at it through the lens of Scripture, but also with these stories of near-death experiences. So I think it's going to be very engaging, and it's a good, it's a good non-offensive uh, way to, to, to start conversations with people. And so my goal is, as, as a body, a city chapel, that, that, that by Easter Sunday, that we will invite 500 um, people to church. And so I know that sounds like a lot, but, but seriously, there's like 50 people in this room right now. Like, and this is, this is just the 11 o'clock service, so never mind the 9 o'clock. Nobody, nobody cares about them. Uh, you guys are my favorite. And so the, 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 the 11, <laughs> I'm not saying I told the 9 o'clock that also, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, you guys are the 11, so 50 people here. If you guys, if we all invite two people each. Just the adults in this room, not even the kids. But if the kids get in on this, it'd be awesome. But just the adults, if we invite two people each this week, that'll be 100 people invited in week one of seven weeks. So I, I am fully confident that we can do this, um, that, that we can invite friends, coworkers, neighbors. Like, if you're wearing this shirt to work, someone's probably going to ask you about it. And that, that's good. That's the point. And so you can direct them to, to our website. It's got all of our directions, like to get here, service times, all that kind of thing, and a little blurb about what's after ATX. Um, or you can just talk to them uh, about, about God, about your experience. Um, but I, what, what I want to do is start getting the fragrance out. Let the fragrant, let us be intentional about that. So um, here after service, we're going to open the back doors. We're going to have ushers ready. You can give, uh, you, you can purchase the shirts or the buttons. Um, or we have yard signs. So we have 50 yard signs. If you want to get one of those for $2, you can stick it in your, um, you can stick it in your yard. And uh, it'll direct people to the website where, where they, can, they can read more about what's after ATX. Um, but uh, we're going to have all that out there available for you um, right after service. Sound good? Yeah. All right, Father, we thank you for those that are giving today, whether giving online or giving with their, their phone or giving here uh, in the buckets, however they're doing it. Thank you for those who are faithfully giving to your kingdom every single week, every single month, every single year, what you're doing with their gifts, how you're using them for your kingdom. Lord, may, 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 may this also just be an offering to you. This is something we're giving to you, not to a particular person or denomination or organization, but to, but to you. This is because we love you, because you're worthy of our very best. And so we bring it before you, lay it at your feet. We pray that you would be blessed, that you would be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're passing the buckets, I do want to show a quick video to you about what's after ATX. It's kind of a promo video for uh, the, the series that we're going to be doing, so check it out. The engines were at full power and the aircraft climbed up to about 100, 110 feet off the ground and then we weren't climbing anymore. Very quickly knew that I was likely going to die. I was looking down at a airplane that had crashed. Right then, it hit me. 
I'm not my body. There's my body, but here's me. I've always been fascinated with these near-death experiences, and by near-death, I don't mean like they almost got hit by a car. I mean like dead, dead. No heartbeat, in some cases, no brain waves, and I'm talking 30 minutes, 90 minutes. At first, I was very skeptical of these, but I'll tell you, after studying over a 1,000 of these near-death experiences, it's changed my mind. The colors were beyond anything we could ever experience here. I was seeing a lot of colors that I didn't have prior experience in knowing about. 3,000 shades of red, and I can see them all. Blind people, when they have a near-death experience, see, they come back saying the same things. How do you put that together? a sense of peace that came down right beside me. An energy that was pure love. Much more real than I feel at this moment or any other time in my life. Scientists postulate there must be at least five dimensions to make sense of some of the things science is discovering. Is it so crazy to think about what comes after this life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So John Burke. John Burke is a, is a pastor here in uh, North Austin, and so he's put together this sermon series, and um, yeah, it's going to be good. So we want you to start engaging folks in discussions about this and invite them to come learn more. Um, yeah, hope you have a great week. Uh, go ahead and open the back doors. Thanks for watching online. Thanks for being with us. You're dismissed. See you later. <laughs>